Welcome to the Pharma Letter Podcast. This week we are speaking with the Chief Executive of British drug development company Ellipses Pharma. Founded in 2018 to create new cancer therapies, the firm is following a unique multimodal approach to clinical development, leveraging a variety of technologies. That's not the only way that Ellipses is rethinking drug development. The company uses a consultative model to provide an unbiased vetting process for candidates, with the goal of de-risking initial asset selection. Ellipses also wants to make sure that capital is invested in the most efficient way, pursuing a portfolio-based strategy which ensures uninterrupted development capital for each asset. Our guest on the show is Ellipses CEO and co-founder, Dr. Rajan Jethwa. I'd like to welcome Rajan Jethwa, Chief Executive of Ellipsis Pharma. Dr. Jethwa, you've had a, a varied career as a surgeon and an investor and entrepreneur. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what really motivates you now as a biotech founder? Uh, sure, Simon. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me to uh, to speak. Um, so my, my career began essentially as a, as a surgeon. Um, I've always wanted to be a medic um, from being very young, went to medical school, uh, thoroughly enjoyed every second of it, and um, somewhere in my surgical training decided to take a year out and do some voluntary work in Africa. Um, I spent a year on the road doing various interesting things, came back and um, was offered a role through a friend at the time who was a, uh, a general practitioner who'd gone to work for a consulting firm called McKinsey. Um, so I took a role uh, that involved essentially invest- investments into free at the point of care delivery for the National Health Service. That led into working directly with private equity um, and then a journey into the world of venture capital where I was uh, particularly interested in building new uh, businesses at the frontier of science for the benefit of, of patients. I've, I've only ever worked really in healthcare and life sciences, uh, but covered everything from stem cell biology through to phytopharmaceuticals and allergy diagnostics in between. I, I call ellipses my sort of labour of love, uh, and really it was born out of a labour of frustration um, that started pretty much with my first day um, after I qualified as a doctor. I went into the hospital, was handed the on-call bleep, and asked to cover the hospital overnight in my first week. What was quite interesting for me was treating those patients and seeing those patients um, being treated with medicines that that were, in my mind, old. None of the new science, the new technologies that we had learned about in university uh, seemed to be in practice. In fact, I didn't see those coming through for probably another 12 plus years uh, afterwards. In between um, that, you, you sort of have your life experiences, and certain of those experiences are, are sort of founding experiences. And I always remember one of my very best friends at university, her mum passed away from, from breast cancer a few days before I set my medical school finals. Um, the impact certainly was you know, the loss of someone that you loved and cared about, but the impact for uh, my friend's family was enormous. Um, and seeing how there was medicines that were available on the market but were not accessible to th- this patient was was an eye-opener for me. And so as, our, as life progresses and uh, you can be fortunate enough to be given an experiences that allow you to think freely uh, and, and suddenly be in a position to do something that's different, um, the idea of ellipses was sort of born um, 
from that frustration of not not seeing those medicines come through quickly enough and that ability to and desire to want to do something different um, and that led me to getting in touch with Sir Chris Evans whom I've worked with in the past and and and, and greatly admire and, and sharing some of these uh, thoughts around how we can improve the, the the speed at which drugs are developed and bringing so Chris's over 35 years of experience together uh, with mine, we founded Ellipses and have built the business into what it is today. Great. Um, let's talk a bit about Ellipses then. Um, perhaps you could provide a little bit of background on your lead candidates, just briefly, just you know, your most advanced candidates, um, and also just the current status of clinical work this year and looking ahead to next year, what, what we can look out for. For sure. So I think the first thing to say is that we don't have any lead candidates as such. Ellipsis is built in a way that allows every candidate um, in in development to stand on its own two feet. And in the past, often people have thought about drug development as a bit of a horse race, and ultimately one horse has to win. We like to create a scenario where every horse has the same, essentially, potential to win, if that makes sense. Right. And by doing so, it means that you're not sort of loving your lead candidate more or directing resource into that direction more. One of the ways in which we speed up drug development is to ensure that each drug is properly financed from the point in which it comes into the business. What that means is that we will con- conduct an assessment, we'll bring an asset into the business, high quality, exciting new science, um, and we'll, we will apply the capital needed to take that through to a point at which it can be licensed to pharmaceutical firms. Right. As long as the drug itself washes its own face from a, from a clinical standpoint and meets its clinical endpoints, it continues to get funding. So there are no delays and there are no stops and starts between each um, stage of development development and so on and so forth. And it means that those drugs can essentially stand on their own two feet, uh, of course, as long as they are meeting their clinical endpoints. Right. I was reading about your unique drug development model described as a consultative model. How is this beneficial for the company? So the, when, we, when Chris and I looked at the, the, the landscape and the ecosystem around how drugs are developed and put our experiences together, it was patently obvious that there was time that could be saved in, in a drug's development life cycle. If we see time as directly translating to patent life, so the quicker you do your drug's development and get to an endpoint and, and, and lead to drug's approval, the longer the patent life that drug then has for exclusive sales, then pharmaceutical firms can see that as added value. So the, the, there are two core themes that underpin the business uh, model in Ellipses. The first is saving time in a drug's development. One of those platforms is about funding the drug properly and eliminating the delays associated with repeated cell and fundraise processes that you see in a biotech. And the second is around uh, limiting the delays that you can experience through um, CROs and the the, the this sort of diametrically opposed business model that a clinical research organization has to a trial sponsor. We still use high quality CROs and we're very proud of the relationships and partnerships that we have um, with those organizations. And uh, what we also do is have an in-house um, clinical trial specialist drug development team headed up by Professor Toby Arkenau and Martin Dorba. And this specialist unit maintains a direct relationship with our clinical trial sites and allowing us to make sure that we're recruiting the right patients into the right trials at the right time in a treatment pathway and limiting and lowering attrition rates. Um, so that means that our trials recruit on or ahead of time. Um, and again, saving that time across the development landscape. If we can save three to four years 
and a small oncology drug sells a billion dollars of PKA sales, then that four years can contribute a significant amount of value back into the, the pharmaceutical ecosystem and help pharmaceutical firms sell those drugs more exclusively for longer for the benefit of those patients. The second key platform is around managing the risk associated with drugs development. And we use two core elements here. One is centered around, and you described it, the consultative approach. And this is about finding over the last 20 years where the successful pockets of drug development have been. The, the success rate of first in human through to approval over the last 20 years has been relatively low in oncology, uh, whilst there are specialist areas in, in precision medicine. Overall, it's roughly about one in eight or 12, 12.5% of the last 20 years, except in certain pockets, certain areas where practicing physicians, academic scientists and oncology specialists, for example, were used in, in a, an asset selection or so-called so physician-led trials, they, you see a much higher success rate. So our approach here was to form a very large body of specialists in that arena, uh, establish our own proprietary in, in, IT platform, that's called Kiva, um, which means consensus in Swahili, to try and get that consensus around preclinical and clinical science, allowing those um, oncology specialists around the world to help us uh, select the very best science that they would like to see developed for the benefit of their patients. And ultimately, they then help us to stratify the patients into the right trials, um, enhancing the, the, the trial success rates. So you're managing your risk a little bit around selecting high quality assets. You're engaging the prescriber at the end of the day that's going to be prescribing this medicine to the patient. You're enlisting them and leveraging their, their knowledge base to help you design better clinical trials that will address the touch points that they're looking to see that will convince them this is a drug to then prescribe to their patients and providing that data back to them uh, in due course. And last but not least, biology is a numbers game. And uh, if, if we had three to five strong assets would be a reasonably sized biotech, but with a, a one in eight success rate historically across the industry, we wouldn't necessarily be on the path to success. So in order to ensure that we're diversified across the portfolio and um, managing that risk, developing multiple assets, ideally nine and above uh, at, at the same time allows us to control that risk too. Interesting. You mentioned managing risk by having multiple candidates. Just looking at your portfolio, you know, you've, you're working with small molecules, biologics, nanoparticles, which is quite unusual for a biotech company, which would normally focus on one type of science, one therapeutic approach. I'm just wondering how are you able as a, as a company to efficiently engage in research across these multiple therapeutic modalities? So that's a really good question, Simon. And ultimately, this stems from the core goal, which is to develop cancer medicines faster. That means it's not just one type of treatment for one type of cancer, it's rather many treatments for many cancers and faster. If we go back in time a little bit, 40 years ago, there may well have been a belief that there could uh, be a single treatment for all of cancer. But today, we know much more basic biology and basic science has, has shown us that cancer has a vast array of heterogeneous diseases. Uh, where each cell in the body, and there, there are roughly 200 different cell types, so at least 200 types of cancer, can then be impacted by different mutations within the DNA of each of those cells. Each one of those mutations can confirm different prognostic and predictive indices as, as to how that cancer manifests, progresses in that patient, and not to mention that each individual patient is, is inherently different. 
If you were to make a simple assumption of 100 different mutations per cell type, 200 types of cancer becomes 20,000 types of cancer, each with different disease profiles and each needing its own treatment. So our underlying thesis here is that we will need many new drug treatment options for patients. Therefore, the more we can develop, the more options uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have for patients and the, their specific treatments, uh, then the better. So keeping that multi-pronged approach to indications and modalities allows us to spread the risk and consolidate success as a portfolio, remaining very specific in, in oncology. So we like to say that we're deep in oncology, but broad across it, um, not aligned to one type of indication, one type of mechanistic pathway or one type of molecule. Can these different programs sort of inform each other? Is your research or the science that you're exploring in one area, can that be applied in a different area or are they fairly sort of compartmentalized? No, I, th I think science where there's overlap can absolutely be shared. We have a philosophy within our business about cross-pollination of not just ideas, but actual tangible outputs. You can also have scenarios where different molecules can be combined you know, in, the, in the treatment together. And so you can use your, your underlying portfolio in many different ways. It's not just uh, one drug, one disease, and, 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 and we move forward. Learnings from certain developments can be then brought into other development areas to speed up those, those, those trials. Recruitment strategies that work in one side, for example, with lung cancer can be brought into another side with breast cancer. And, and so you can absolutely share. And, and that's one of the, the, the core elements within ellipses. Whilst we have multiple different drug programs as a, as a team, we're working across all of them. Um, and very little is siloed. A lot of it is, is, is shared. Let's look ahead then to the future, um, upcoming clinical milestones or licensing events. Um, what's coming up? What can we look out for? That is that's a great question and, and one that's incredibly involved uh, in terms of detail. So what I'll do is I'll take you through each of our assets that are producing some very excellent results in the clinic um, and, and cast, a, cast an eye forward as to what that might look like. If we start with EP0031 or EP31, this is a drug, it's a, a next generation selective retinal inhibitor. We licensed this in from um, Sichuan Kilin Biotech, which is a Chinese US biotech, in, and we licensed it in March 2021. Towards the end of that month, we then ran a manufacturing run and tech transfer so that we could run the trials outside of, the, of, of Greater China and started a phase one to adaptive clinical trial. In the last two years, we've generated some significantly strong clinical data, some of which is now entering the public domain. This trial is, is enjoying significant support from global principal investigators, patients, and patient advocacy groups, and has recently been awarded um, orphan drug status too. We're seeing patients enjoying uh, significant responses with tumor aggressions as trials, as the trial escalates uh, through to the phase two element, certainly in non-sports lung cancer, um, thyroid cancer and other RET altered malignancies. One of the interesting things that we've noticed this year is is some of our drugs are enjoying some interest from, from pharmaceutical companies. And EP31 is not unusual here. We have some we have some strong interest from companies looking to secure access to it for commercialization globally, uh, and it's currently in an active sale process. Another one of our medicines is called EP0062. It's a selective androgen uh, receptor modulated for the treatment of breast cancer. And it came from a company that was listed on the, uh, um, the NASDAQ stock exchange in the US called Radius Pharma. Really good science. Um, many of the, the discovered molecules that were originally developed by Radius have, have gone on to get approvals. And one of the, the, the things with this drug, and it came to us with quite a lot of clinical data, 
is that it required reformulating so that the, the, the product can be scaled, but also the safety profile of the, of the medicine can be, could be tweaked to allow patients to take it for a long period of time. And that's one of the areas that we excel at. We understand that it's more than just science that drives the underlying success of a drug. You need a, an unmet need population but you, and you need high quality data, definitely. But you also need to be able to manufacture the drug at a sensible cost and at scale to create a price point that payers and insurers and governments all want to reimburse at. On top of that, you also need someone to prescribe it. So hence the, the consultative approach. Okay. AP62, I think, fills a significant unmet need in patients with uh, hormone receptor positive, androgen receptor positive uh, metastatic breast cancer. And currently... There are no androgen receptor agonists that are available in clinical practice, um, which is seen as a big deficit by leading investigators and clinicians. Many uh, PIs are enrolling as many appropriate patients whom they think will benefit into our trial. And a new formulation conveys across an improved bioavailability, maintaining a much better safety profile um, and therefore making it much safer for patients to take for long periods of time. This trial progresses into a phase two trial early next year. We're seeing, again, solid interest from pharmaceutical firms with a view to picking up the drug for later studies and approvals. Moving on to EP42, which is our dual aurora kinase FLT3 inhibitor, originally discovered by the Institute of Cancer Research here in the UK. This is being developed as a new potential treatment for patients with relapsed refractory acute myeloid leukemia. The drug is, is currently coming to the end of its first in-human dose escalation optimization study, moving into a formal phase two early next year. Um, most likely in combination with um, standard of care medicines. This drug has shown substantial promise, not only being safe and well tolerated in, in the current trial um, and in a very difficult to treat population on account of the fact that most of these patients have advanced disease and many previous treatments leading to a degree of frailty and uh, associated with that polypharmacy. But also a very strong uh, efficacy signals being seen in this very early study, which you wouldn't normally expect to see in a in a heterogeneous um, disease like leukemia uh, in a, and in a phase one first in human study. We've seen long periods of disease control, um, potentially with a view to quadrupling survival in time, as well as a complete response to as well, where uh, we have a patient's free from regular blood transfusions and even been able to travel internationally. So that, that, that moves into its formal phase two stage next year. And we have progressed these, these drugs into not just the clinic phase, but into the next stage of their development very, very rapidly. Bringing up the rear, we have several other ellipses drugs that are making progress through the development landscape, entering into the clinic soon. Um, and we're close to bringing another two to three more new medicines, some of which will be clinic ready and others close to entering the clinic as well. So certainly watch this space for new drugs coming in and the progress of our existing medicines as well through the trial landscape. Um, and potentially over the next six to 12 months, um, an out license as well, where one or, one or more of our drugs will be uh, picked up by pharmaceutical firms. Okay, thanks for that. It's a, a lot going on. Um, you mentioned that you have an approach where you seek to make sure that every candidate is properly financed from the beginning. Maybe we could just briefly say a little bit about your financing situation. How are you financed at the moment and what are your sort of plans in that regard? Absolutely. So our business is very well capitalised. When we went out to raise money, we, we, Chris and I have had a lot of experience in this arena, Chris significantly more than me, and we were very well versed in how much money was going to be needed and by when to successfully ensure that these drugs are developed. And so we went out and sought out specific investors to properly capitalize the business. Currently, we have a, a very 
supportive um, cadre of long-term investors that are keen to be part of our journey of success. Um, the strategy is to acquire promising new assets, develop them across the clinical pathway, and then license them to pharma partners, creating, um, if you like, a perpetual flywheel style of approach where capital you, you then win from selling on assets is then put back to work within the business to create the next set of opportunities that can be out-licensed as well. Um, and so we hopefully, in the next uh, year to two, would be will become self-sustaining as well from a financial standpoint. Obviously, we're always keen to speak to new potential investors who share our ethos and approach uh, and can bring added value to the business. Um, as we know, biotech and uh, drug development, generally drug, de drug development across especially the clinical landscape is a, is a costly business. I think one of the, the other elements to say is that we certainly, when we started the business and brought in the first few assets, we expected to not necessarily move the needle in the industry standard success rate um, rapidly. But we've become victims of our, of our own success, where certainly more of the medicines that we've brought in have, have enjoyed success and progressed to the next, next stage of their development, probably showing that the, the business model is proving itself out significantly. As a result, that obviously becomes a more capital-intensive um, requirement for those medicines. Um, but I'm pleased to say that we have those supportive shareholders and, and, and currently well capitalised. You're currently focused on oncology. You're also dealing, as, as we said, with a number of different types of science, which perhaps could have applications in other areas. Do you have any aspirations outside of oncology or are you, you're focused on that area at the moment? That, that's, a, that's a lovely question. Um, and I think the, the most direct way is to say no. We are a specialist in oncology and will remain so. I think there is nothing that will stop the utility of the business model that we've built being used in other areas, be it infectious diseases, neurological, um, or other arenas, and, and happy to talk to people um, about how we can put our business model to use. Um, for as long as ellipses um, exist, we will be an oncology business. Um, and so I think the easiest way to say that we don't have aspirations outside oncology as, a, as an entity. Great. Well, I think that's about all we have time for today. It's a fascinating story and we'll certainly look out to hear more from your company in future. Uh, Dr. Rajan Jethwa, Chief Executive of Ellipsis Pharma, thank you very much for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me, Simon. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>